You're listening to the WADT Podcast. I'm Parkson and my co-hosts for today are Hafiz, Kevin and Shufan. Welcome Shufan. Our children are not moving enough, not sleeping enough and eating too much. Although it has not reached crisis level, there are reasons to be concerned and the government saw the need to come up with a 24-hour activity guideline for children and teens. Is this a hot potato? Well, we think so, and therefore we are discussing it today. Hi, everybody, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting subject. In fact, three subjects that we're going to be talking about today. So let's begin with each, shall we? And uh, yeah, Shufan, you have young yeah. kids. How do you control what your kids eat, you know, how much they eat and things like that? Do you have any kind of regime or do you have any guidelines that you follow and you give to your kids? Uh, I think when they were younger, uh, so before they started school, uh, was very, a bit more conscious of uh, when they eat their meals. So, uh, and especially when they are younger, so they they get hungry quite quickly because they eat less but more frequently. Um, and so sometimes, besides their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they also get like a morning tea or an afternoon snack. Uh, uh, between those main meals. So uh, I am pretty rigid in terms of making sure that they eat all their vegetables during their meals, whether they like it or not, they don't have a choice. And if they cannot, and if they see that they're too full, I always tell them that, okay, minimally you have to finish your vegetables. Um, so they, they kind of know that, you know, that's mommy style. Like, okay, you got to finish all your vegetables. Um, and, and so they do. And uh, they get their fruits uh, every day as well. Uh, either uh yeah usually as a snack or or just after the meal so uh the children are, are pretty good when it comes to getting the healthy food into their bodies i try and make sure that you know uh there's a there's, there's a good balance as uh from the snacks or when you go out for parties um yeah they don't indulge too much on on uh fried food or oily stuff or processed stuff uh yeah Wow, that's great. So I presume they're not overweight. Uh, no, my children are not. They're actually, uh, as babies, they were really, really chubby. Uh, especially, okay, they call it baby fat. Yeah, but now like my boys are just tall and skinny and I always ask them, like, you know, where's all the money that I used to feed you? Like, it's all gone. <laughs> gone down the drain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait till the growth spurt. Uh, you'll be surprised. Kevin, you, you have... Uh, well, older kids, I think, and uh, so how are they? Are they, you know, still eating as much or even more? Yeah, my kids are slightly older than than Shufan's uh, kids. Uh, yeah, but we we also instilled a discipline of eating their veggies uh, to a point that now they don't question anymore. Um, so what what we do since young, you know, we just give them a portion of veggies. That's it. In fact, we try to educate them. We we try to keep it up with it, but it's very hard. Like, like five portions of fruit and veg, right? And we tell them the portion is the size of your fist. Cause so they look at their fist and like, huh, you know, yeah, but we just give it to them anyway. It's one mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, I'm thankful that we, we, we got that discipline in when they were young. So now when we put the veggies on the, on, 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 on their plate, I mean, they may not like it, but they don't complain. They just, they just down it like, you know, yeah, sometimes we get the occasional, huh, you know, then we just give them that stare and they're okay, just eat it kind of thing. Yeah. They know it's good for them. Now. Yeah, fruits-wise as well, I think that's the other thing that uh, we try to balance in, to give them at least one portion of fruit every day, either through uh, eating kind of fruit or, or through juicing. 
that's another way we try to squeeze it in uh, just some fruit intake yeah yeah and and you were telling us that one one of your children have uh, skin problems and so you know for that child you need to really uh have a very specific kind of diet can you tell actually, us a bit about that actually two of them Buxen, uh, but my oh, two of them yeah but hannah and timothy both have uh, eczema uh hannah had it really bad at one time uh where yeah it disrupted her sleep which disrupted our sleep as well and so we we, we found out that one of the ways to control ex uh, the eczema was the diet through her diet so we kind of watched uh, what she ate we, we put her through a, a series of tests and we found out that she was allergic to x number of, of things so we tried our best to avoid such things and sadly i would say sadly one of her high allergens is soy so she can't eat anything like chiu ting, you know, like soy sauce is very, one of the very staple in Asian cuisine. Yeah, so I meat chicken rice, cannot put cannot put the sauce, you know, like go to like go uh, uh center, order the, the zita vegetables, can ask them cannot put soy sauce kind of thing. So a lot of it cannot soy sauce, yeah. So we've gotten used to that already, so to speak. And then came my, my, my third one. He's also got a different range of, of uh, allergies as well. So we have, to, we have to be mindful of what they can eat or cannot eat. So just have to adjust accordingly there, but yeah, thankful they are, they, are, they are well and they are coping. For the, our listeners who, who are struggling with their kids with, uh, to give their kids veg. Uh. So what, one of the few strategies that we had, right, was to mix the veggies, like dice some, some, I learned from some other parents, they diced it really small or they blend it in such a way, then they cook it with some other things, you know, so like they make like a, a meatball but they slice and dice the carrots and the thing inside there. So when they eat the meatball, they don't really taste the veg. So they, they kind of like hide the, the veg in there. That's one way. Another way which I realized recently is that, I mean, quite a bit old, uh, slower, but then different veg have different tastes, right? And when we give our kids veg, right, sometimes the veg that we eat, we find it's okay, but actually it, it tastes a bit bitter maybe for the kids, but we actually introduce them to other types of veg they may be okay with it. Why do I say that? Because my oldest one, for for very weird reason, he likes bitter bitter veg like rocket la, parsley la, this kind this kind. He likes that, you know. So like, what what kind of palette is that? You know. This time I realized, hey, maybe kids right when they eat a certain veg like broccoli or whatever, they they they, they taste that certain bitterness. To it. But if we actually introduce a different type of veg, it may be actually palatable palatable to them. Mm. How about you, Hafiz? You're, you have already adult children, but you know, when they were younger, what, what did you do? Were you, were you concerned? Were you conscious about what they were eating? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but of course, there always been challenges. Um, you're right, um, Kevin, that from young, I also made sure that uh, they eat their veg. Because I know some parents or some of my friends, uh, they don't eat veg, and it's because they say it's from the from from when they were young, they're not used to it. Uh, in fact, my son-in-law also, <laughs> all right, I fall in that category. So now we are trying to change uh, in him that I mean, he's taking it in quite slowly, but not that easy. But for the rest of my children, uh, of course, it's never been easy. It's always a constant reminder until today. Uh, but it's, I think uh, that does make a difference. And, and you're right, in terms of my one, my kid also has eczema. And uh, yeah, we sort of accept the fact that it is a lifelong condition. And uh, not only doctors, uh, but I think other people also advise me that the food is the one that uh, make a can make a difference, especially avoiding processed food. So it's a blessing in these guys. Uh, you know, my daughter has to avoid uh, processed food. 
because she knows that if she does eat it, the effect is almost immediate. Uh, you know, uh, and 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 you know, it's like it's good for her health in 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 looking in another way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, in Singapore, there's a very interesting um, statistics. And twenty in twenty eighteen, the National Nutrition Survey says that Singaporeans are consuming fewer calories. Okay, it means in in that sense, in, on average, they're eating less. But interestingly, and on the contrary, Singaporeans are getting fatter. <laughs> All right, twenty eight percent of Singaporeans are overweight, and ten point five percent are obese. Now, obesity is measured mainly using BMI. Uh, okay, and anybody knows how? What's the formula for BMI? Height divided by weight square, right? It's the other way around, actually. Oh, weight sorry. divided, by, divided height by, square. by height square. Sorry. Yeah, and but you know that is not a very accurate formula, by the way. Let me tell you why. Because weight itself actually has four components. You have, you know, your bones. You have your muscles, you have and two types of fats. One is the subcutaneous fat and one is the visceral fat. Okay, so the weight itself contains four elements and three of them are good. The more bones you have, the better. That means, you know, higher density bones. The more muscle you have, which is better. The more subcutaneous fat you have is better. The more uh, visceral fat you have is bad. So out of four, three are good. All right, so that makes the formula, you know, uh, well, it's a simple formula, but it's not very accurate, okay? Um, so looking at your BMI alone is not um, the best way to gauge whether you're overweight or not, okay? So I think um, what experts have come to say is, you know, besides watching your weight, watch your waist. And another thing I learned um, is that when a child enters puberty, all right that means for guys maybe anything between 11 to 13 right and for girls as well you know something changes uh, people people tend to think that oh he's a growing boy he's a growing girl so they need to eat more actually the opposite is true when a child enters puberty their metabolic rate actually decreases by uh, anything around 15 percent okay that means you your body actually uh, consumes energy or uses energy, converts the food you eat to energy at a slower rate. And so in order not to put on weight, the best thing to do is to eat less, about 15 to 20% less than what you used to be eating. Then you can be sure that it, you will probably not put on weight. Moving on to sleep. Uh, Afis, yes. how many hours the, did your kids used to sleep when they were young? Um, usually sleep at about 10.30 and wake up at uh, sometimes at 10 and wake up at about 6 for school. So about 9 hours, 8, eight hours, 9 hours, mm. which I think is uh, not, I mean, it's barely enough, barely enough. Uh, because I think for kids, uh, school-going kids, right, they have to sleep between 9 to 12 hours, according to some experts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's very important for us to also create the habit. Uh, I think sleep, like anything, is about habit. And uh, I think we also underestimate the importance of sleep. I follow this particular neuroscientist podcaster. His name is uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. Uh, he, I mean, he's an expert in terms of uh, the brain as well as uh, he said that eyes is part of the brain. So if you take care of your eyes, you take care of your brain, right? So sleep definitely is when you rest your eyes. 
So he said that the best stress relief uh, is sleep. Best trauma release also sleep. Best immune booster also sleep. And uh, other things like emotional stabilizer also sleep. And he, he did uh, you know give some advice on how do we get uh, better at sleeping. And I think that we can also reflect whether our kids get all this. Uh, you know, uh, for number one is uh, you need to view sunlight, right, by going outside at least 30 or 60 minutes uh, of walking. So this is taken for granted because uh, we, most of us, you know, stay in the office or at home, you know. And he said that the homes, getting sunlight from the home and outside is different. You must go out, all right? Even if you are brightly light, you have a bright lighted room, the lumen level is different from uh, the sunlight, you know. And uh, secondly, he said also that uh, wake up at the same time as uh, each day and go to sleep uh, first before you start sleeping, uh, getting sleepy. You know, I mean, sometimes these are, I mean, sounds common sense, right? But not many of us, of us do it. And also, I think I remember he said that avoid caffeine uh, within uh, uh, eight hours uh eight to ten hours of bedtime all right and uh also he said that um limit uh daytime naps also this is something that i used to have to do my kids when they come back home usually they're tired right but the problem is uh they usually come back in the late afternoon all right so the best nap time is it's mid-afternoon actually latest so when they sleep at about after four after five actually it's not good it makes you lethargic while actually naps are supposed to make you energized and not more than 90 minutes or not more than 30 minutes now if, if uh, you can all right and um, also at the end of the day it's about uh keeping the environment <laughs> okay uh comfortable uh because i think most of us may have our phone at the side and this is what i think i did at the beginning uh when they had their phones uh, but it's not that easy to sustain uh, is to keep the phone out of the room but sooner or later uh, as they grow uh, you know we also find it difficult to do it ourselves. And I think that's the problem also when we, we also cannot do it. Our children, how do we enforce it to our children? Okay, so for those young parents, you know, you are still having young children, you know, try to do this and whatever habits you have to create, do it and stay by it for the sake of your children. Yeah. Shufan, what time is your, are your kids' bedtime? Uh, typically between 8 to 8.30. Yeah. So and they wake up in the morning what time? Uh about 6:30. 6:30. Wow, that's uh, yeah. at least 10 so, hours of sleep. Wonderful. So to, if, yeah. do they need a nap in the afternoon? The younger two, yes. Uh although they could they could do without it, but I would notice them getting a bit cranky at like five, six o'clock. <laughs> so usually I try and give them a nap. But the older three, like what Hafsi said, by the time they come from school, they have the lunch, they finish their work, it's, it's quite late for them to nap already. So I just try and make sure they get to bed early, uh, just so they can get a good, good restful sleep at night. Yeah. yeah. You know, a good book to read about sleep, you know, if, if, uh, if you want to learn more about it, is the uh, title is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. He's a, um, uh, a researcher, a scientist from uh, UC Berkeley. That means the University of California in Berkeley. And uh, yeah, it's, he's one of the authorities on sleep. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about, I just want to uh, repeat what uh, Hafiz talked about, you know, that we need to go, we should go to bed and wake up at the same time every day, whether it's a weekend or weekday, all right? Because most people want to sleep in. 
on a Saturday and a Sunday, right? And then they want to stay up late. And so basically what you have done is you have disrupted your body clock. And so when you try to go back to your routine on Monday, you know, and wake up, you know, early on Monday morning, you find difficulty. And then the rest of the day on Monday, you find very, you know, you're very tired, lethargic and, you know, things like that. Uh, it's actually called a social jet lag. You know, it's, it's almost equal to you travel over, you know, through different time zones. So your body is trying to play catch up. And so it's called a social jet lag. And uh, yeah, so if you want to avoid that, you want to avoid the Monday blues, <laughs> then one of the antidote for it is to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day, uh, seven days a week. Yeah. How about you, uh, Kevin? What, what's your sleeping habits uh, for your kids like? Um, yeah, I mean, what, what helps is uh, we're building a routine. Um, we try to get them in by nine, but that's, that's a, 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 a plan. But usually they only fall to sleep close to 10 o'clock. But I think what, what, builds, what helps the kids to also uh, wind down is, is the bedtime routine that we have. Yeah, so we'll do devotions with the kids and pray with, with them before they sleep. So it's something that they know there's a routine that when that kicks in, they know that it's time to sleep. Um, but when we turn off the lights, we can still hear them chatting sometimes all the way to like 10 o'clock. So we have to go into the room and say, hey, stop talking already, go and sleep, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's nice that they're chatting with each other, you know, as siblings. Um, but it, it, it just, I mean, I, I remind them that tomorrow you'll be cranky, la, so please go and sleep, you know, kind of thing. So they sleep from, let's say, when they really fall asleep at 10, and they wake up about 6.30. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm Definitely, I think a, a bedtime routine is essential. I, 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 would, I won't say even an optional, it's essential. I've, I talked to a father and this is what he told me. He has, I think, three kids, you know, and when they were younger, this is what he did. He said, from the moment we finish dinner, my bedtime routine for the kids begin. I said, how do you do it? Number one, I get them to change into their pajamas. Number two, I begin to dim the lights in the whole house. All right, every room in the house, uh, I'll fix a dimmer and I'll dim the lights gradually, you know. So over, you know, over time, he dims it a little more, a little more. So it, it's simulating sunset. And, you know, our body clocks are actually based on the sun, all right, amount of light outside. Uh, so it, today we live in a modern society where we have a lot of artificial lights and therefore our bodies actually gets confused. Is it nighttime already? <laughs> but the lights are still so bright, you see? And that's why, you know, we, we are more and more sleep deprived. So, so he says, this has always worked. And by the time it, it's bedtime, my children, you know, I have no problems telling my children, you know, it's bedtime and they all already feel very sleepy. Okay. And so they, they don't put up any resistance to go to bed. Yeah, I mean, but I'd like to comment about your friend's uh, routine. Well, always uh very uh, special that he's simulating the sunset. But I, I feel that uh, from experience and also from, from observing it and uh, talking to other par parents, it's very impractical because you got to, it, or impractical in the sense that it impairs on our social life. Because if you want to meet, you want to meet uh, like for, my, for, for me, for example, if I want to meet my parents or my friends for dinner, we're going to come back after the routine. So how are we going to instill this daily routine or, or a frequent routine enough for the kids to get used to it? If, so the sacrifice will be then my social life will only be kept to the weekends, for example, you know, so it, it really have to be a, a choice that you make in order to do that. Because if not, then you cannot um, make uh, dinner plans or during the weekdays, you know, yeah, things, things like that, you know, um, yeah. Well, you can still dim the lights and have candlelight dinners. <laughs> 
No, but then by, by, by get, you can't go out with your kids with, uh, with pajamas. Right? Okay, I get you. Yes, I get so, you. Yeah, yeah, so it, it affects your social life. Right? So it's something you have to decide what you want to do, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah def definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shufan, uh, when your kids go to bed, do they fall asleep immediately? Or you know, do you struggle with getting them to actually close their eyes and close their mouths and stop talking? <laughs> It actually really depends on what they were doing before they go to bed. Uh, so for example, yesterday we had an afternoon out at Wawa Bed. Uh, they could barely get out of the car. <laughs> they were so tired that they could barely get out of the car. I had to tell them, okay, you know, you have to go up, you have to change, and you have to brush your teeth and go to bed. They would drag themselves from the car to the bedroom and they're just ready to like plonk in. So, so on moments like that when they're completely like, tired and worn out and all the energy has been spent getting them to bed is is not a problem at all it's like um whereas on other days when they they've had mostly at home uh and they don't have much of the energy spent and, and they do spend time talking to each other um then that's where i i usually won't go in and and tell them to stop talking because i think that that's also another chance for them to bond their siblings um and and it's just nice you know i mean hearing them talk about their day and like recounting whatever that's happened in their life, whether the games that they're playing or like their, their friends in school. Uh, and I think these these bedtime conversations for them are also good. I mean, while my husband and I don't really know what's going on because we don't stay in an eavesdrop on them, uh, I, I think it's just nice for them to have these kind of conversations. But if it get if it does get too late, um, then we will go in and, and like knock on the door and say, hey, you know, you really need to go and sleep now. Um, because there have been times when they could chat up to like 10, 10 plus, especially if they are so excited about what they're talking about. Um, yeah, but I think that in this day and age, uh, children's sleep has also been uh, affected simply by the sheer number of activities that they have. Um, after school activities, I mean, uh, and I know homework. for. Yeah, and homework. So I know some children finish a CCA at like four something or five. Mm. By the time they get home, it's almost 5.30. And then it's, you know, in time you wash up, get ready for dinner and then do your homework and then whatever else, if you have enrichment classes and things like that, it just get drags out really, really late. And uh, it's just a vicious cycle, I feel. So I, I think that's really a huge challenge for parents nowadays, uh, juggling uh, timetabling and scheduling and, and yeah. In fact, I got a question, in fact, for all of us here. So we talk, you talk about homework, right, and sleeping, right? If just before bed, the kid says, oh, I forgot to do my homework, question, do you get them to, okay, you didn't do your homework the day because you played, you, the result is you stay up late and do your work and then go to school tomorrow. Or, too bad, go and sleep, tomorrow get scolding from school, from teacher. Which one would you do? Or, you know, because, you know, sleep is important, but yet, if you want to teach them with responsibility, there's consequences and things like that. So what do you, what, what, what's your, what, what would you do? Yeah, Just for me, I do the. I, I try most of the time to do the second, uh, but sometimes it's not possible because I also think that if they really don't complete their work, they may not be able to sleep <laughs> thinking about it. So I think looking at a situation, but I, I try a few times, uh, in fact, many times to so called make them realize that uh, they should change their behavior instead of, you know, they become a habit later of always delaying and procrastinating. I think yeah. for me, I would get them to sleep first. Um, so, for example, yesterday, they went out really late. Uh, and they were so tired. They came home and they said at home, I said, no, you just go to bed first. If you really need to, you just wake up earlier the next morning. And I, I think I think waking up earlier is better than sleeping later. Uh, because 
uh, it's, it's just how, I mean, for me, lah, I, I feel that's just how that their brains function a bit better when at least they've had a good night's rest compared to if you were to prolong the night even later and they're really so tired and, and the quality of the work that they produce will also be uh, compromised on. So for me, it's sleep first. If you can't finish it tomorrow, too bad. You're going to explain to your teacher. <laughs> mm, well, uh, on that note, uh, wake up early means you also wake up early to wake them up. Uh. Yeah, which is true, which is what happened this morning. <laughs> Of course, for some children, it becomes habitual to forget. All right, so they might be they might need help to be more organized. Schools do give them a journal to record down whatever homework or assignments are given. You know, read this, do this, complete this. You know, um, so if they're not recording it down, of course, chances are for them to forget is very high. So maybe certain children are not do not have that discipline and habit yet of you know just writing things down and try, think, believing that they can remember so many things, but in reality, they can't. So they need to be helped to, be, to have a system where you know, they have reminders you know, to, so that they don't forget. Great, great. Let's, let's move on to uh, movement. Right, okay. Um, a recent KKH uh, survey of 100 parents of children aged between 5 and 14 uh, years of age you know, began to show us quite interesting uh, insights into how much our children move, okay? So one of the things it says is that um, 43% do not engage, now these are children, do not engage in vigorous physical activity, while 32% do not engage in any moderate physical activity. So that is a reflection of the kind of sedentary lifestyle that we have. So Kevin, how much do, do your kids move? Are they very active? Uh, they used to, but I think COVID kind of disrupted a bit of that routine. Uh, I think where we you stay... You mean they're not so jumping on the sofa and things like that? They're jumping on my bed, really. But uh, uh, that's, that's uh, not enough, I guess. No, I need to combine what Hafiz was saying. You know, the, they cannot just jump in my on my bed in the, in the house. They need to jump outside because the sunlight is different, you know? Yeah. And and it's, it kind of ties in a little bit to... to what Fern was saying about what the kids did before that to the uh to affects their sleep routine. Yeah, I realized that if my kids didn't go out to playground to play, they fall asleep. They take longer to fall asleep. So perhaps one consideration for 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 parents right is that if my kids are not sleeping, are not falling asleep quick enough, is it because they still got unexpelled energy la? So another way is to go and get them to run, jump, bounce, bounce around the ball, so to speak, right? Then get them tired out, kind of thing. Expand the energy. Higher chances they will sleep uh, faster lah. They fall asleep faster. So for my kids, um, uh, uh, when we was, uh, uh, living in the the the, the previous previous place, and they could just go down to the playground and and, and play, right? Uh, so certain times we tell them to just okay go down and because we we know the environment is safe enough, they can just go down on their own to play. And I'll I'll go down in a while to to accompany them. Yeah. So that was good. So we try to do that every day at least to get them to go down. After their homework, they can go down. But now that we've, we've moved, the playground is not so accessible and it's actually uh, across the road kind of thing. So I can't just let, I mean, I, I don't feel safe at, at least for, for now to just get let them go on their own because there's a there's a road crossing. Yeah, so uh, I, I tend to have to, 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 to bring them. But still, we try to clock in at least once or twice that they go to the playground, bearing the weather. Like sometimes the weather really, at, at, the, at the playground time, is raining, so we really can't go, yeah. But we try to clock in at least once or twice of playground time a, a week if we can. 
That's probably once or twice a week. But the uh, recommendation by WHO, you know, and people like that, uh, says that you know, one hour of activity um, a day. All right, and about thirty minutes, if I remember correctly, should be vigorous. That means they should be panting and sweating. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, your kids? I, I, I don't do that. Yeah, you I don't do that, huh? Yeah. Uh, but do you I, let your kids do that? I mean, yeah, we, we should just let them loose and, you know, let them do whatever they want and come back sweaty and panting. I mean, I remember during my school days, that's what happens during recess, you know? So it's a very short period, right? We, we go, we get out of the classroom for recess, you know, all very nice, you know, neat, and our shirts are all white. But we come back <laughs> sweaty, and then our yeah, shirts are, you know, have black patches. We on the activity la, to give them that vigorous thing for now, yeah. But no, today's kids are different, you know, recess, very, very mild, you know, yeah. How about you, Shufan? What, what, what do your kids do for activity on a daily basis? Uh, so I think there is a difference uh, pre-COVID and now post-COVID. Pre-COVID, uh, a typical schedule in my week would be my after lunch, my younger twins, uh, the younger children would nap. And after their nap, I'd take all of them out somewhere to play. It's either a park or to a mall or to a library or to a swimming pool. Um, so there's always the afternoon slot activity that, that they get to do. Uh, but then COVID happened and everybody, you know, was brought indoors, like the playgrounds were closed, the parks were closed, you know, you we weren't supposed to, to be out much. Um, and so now I think our lifestyle has changed um, and, and, and it's been hard. I, I, I think it's been hard and also because my, my family is so big. So in terms of group sizes, when there were like two per packs, you know, and then to, to go to certain places, you had to book tickets and all like that and, and there'll be a cap on it. So it was it was hard to be able to maintain that that upbeat lifestyle. But I think now today with the current restrictions that have been lifted, uh, it is it is easier uh, to go out. And I advocate a lot of movement in my children, uh, because I myself am a very outdoor person. Uh, so we'd either be yeah at the swimming pool, or at a playground, at a park somewhere. I used to google like a whole list of playgrounds uh, all across the island in singapore and so i would drive them to like woodlands uh, waterfront park i drive them to emerald park to, like Marsling park drive them to some bawang Can canberra park tampanese uh, park Basiris park west coast park like i we, we've been wow. all over the island just chasing playgrounds and um and i think that's the wonderful thing about singapore that there are so many playgrounds available for free for children to play with and at some of the playgrounds that we were at i was wondering like where are all the children you know because mm. some of these places were really really empty and i wonder where are all the children and um i think in in this current day and age uh for me to be able to be at home with the children that really is a blessing because i recognize that there are parents who have to work and so they do not have the luxury uh, to bring their children out on a daily basis to have that half an hour one hour free time out at the park um, and so it's very much confined to the weekends you know when the parents don't have to work um, and and so that, that that really is a trade-off nowadays you know we're just trying to maintain uh, uh, the, the financial situation at home and also trying to maintain an like, active lifestyle for the family um, it really is very hard for for parents nowadays just to juggle that just wearing so many hats at the same time um, 
yeah so i i think that's that's great. wow so you can actually become a blogger and blog about all the <laughs> playgrounds that you got <laughs> your kids too you know well uh, not too late to start you know just go go around them again <laughs> and then you can start you know maybe post it on facebook or something yes hafiz how about you were you a very active father you know and because um children model after their parents isn't it right if their fathers are active you know then they feel more motivated and they follow the example and yeah you know so the fathers will take the lead uh, like nowadays i see a lot of families cycling together well that's great how about yours what what does what did your family used to do together yeah yeah very much uh, we have bicycles rollers not the roller skate what uh, inline skates uh, mm. the what do you call it uh, roller blades huh? yeah roller blades and whatnot uh. but i realized that as what Sufan say, right? There are many other ways to entertain the kids, nah, not with just these toys and tools. Nah. They will grow out of it. That's a problem, right? Uh, usually, toys and all these sporting equipment, nah, they are suitable for certain ages. I realize that we need, we need to keep on buying you know, new ones and so on and so forth. And then, you know, it got wasted after that. So, I really, you know, until today, uh, encourage uh, my family to go out, all right, instead of uh, just... Uh, Cycling is probably something which is uh, so common in Singapore. We still, I mean, when they were in t- teenagers, we still do go out as a family. But now, you know, they grow out of it. And uh, we basically go to parks where possible. But we need to make it interesting, right? So even even walking and shopping, uh, window shopping has become part of our exercise. You know, because, yeah, where else? Singapore, we say, where else do we go? You know, shopping malls, you know. Then we got, we realized actually, Shopping malls are so crowded. Then we go to the park. Actually, the weekends, uh, the East Coast Park, Pasir Park, the most popular park are so crowded. So where we go? To the really non-popular parks. And you will really be surprised. These parks are very, very interesting. All right? Uh, they are not as well, uh, you know, designed or what. Uh, but you get to see new things. So again, don't depend on, uh, you know, technology, all right, that we are so used to, even, uh, you know, uh, equipment. But there are ways in Singapore that uh, you can uh, go around <laughs> the cost of uh, you know expensive uh, outings and uh, spots. Mm, that's right. That's right. So uh, there are many things to do to do in Singapore. Although I lived overseas for ten years, and you know we lived at the foot of a mountain range called the Tian Shan Mountains. If you have heard of it, that's where the monkey god lives. <laughs> wow. But I've not seen him. <laughs> maybe he has moved anyway um yeah so on the weekends you know we'll take a drive you know and uh without a map i mean i i have never been to that place so i just follow the road and see where it leads me you know and one time it led me to it led us to a very nice green you know grass patch next to a very slow uh, flowing stream you know and across the stream we saw a horse you know grazing uh so we just laid out a ground sheet and had a picnic over there yeah all right a trivia now i'm this i'm wearing this uh step tracker any one of you have used this before any one of you are conscious about you know uh, taking ten thousand steps a day anyone i mean i also i also use it uh because the, the trick is to always use it then uh, it does remind you right not only of uh, the goals that you need to have every day but sometimes you sit too long right now, uh, sit too long, like for 30 minutes, uh, they will say, hey, you're sitting too long. So it helps. Uh. But again, it's about uh, also not technology. Uh, but again, yeah, yeah, it, it does help. It's a reminder, yeah. Yeah. 
No, it be, instead of buzzing, uh, it should send an electric shock to you. <laughs> you <laughs> I, I have this question to you. Um, this 10,000 steps thing, uh, is it scientific? I, I do not know. Uh, but yeah, people have been uh, talking about it. I don't Anyone know. Anyone can think of uh, yes or no. Do you think it's scientific? I've no, I've not done any search on this research on this. But you heard about the ten thousand hours of to become an expert, right? Practice, right? <laughs> actually, that one also actually is not really, really uh, straightforward. Okay, it's uh, how you uh, practice, right? And some people need more, some people need less. So I think also is also related to that. I think it's just a general guide. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think ten thousand is just easy to remember. Um, I think the 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 range I read somewhere. I think six to eight thousand only actually. But uh, ten thousand is just easy number to remember for everybody. That ten thousand, and personally, um, um, I I do see a difference. Um, uh, before before COVID and stuff, um, and we we were I mean I take the MRT and bus a lot more. We're moving a lot about a lot more. I clocked a more at, at least ten thousand a day. No no problem, right? But when COVID hit and everything and and moved and everything, uh. So I drove more, and so my 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 steps count dropped to about uh, six thousand or so. Yeah, I could see it, it had a big impact on my weight. So I thought, oh, okay, really for uh, the extra four thousand steps a day actually does little bit like you know, but yeah, in in, in burning, getting you going, things like that. Yeah, I got I got all my kids uh the track tracker as well, just a very cheap tracker thing. Yeah, just to just track, and they are you know they use it as a game. How many you got today? How many you got today? Kind of thing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that that's one way to get them moving lah. Yeah, I mean, also when you talk about talk about going out and everything, it is true. Uh, our children can can bring every. It would be nice to do. Can I put my kids with you and then you 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 take them with you as well? You know, uh, yeah. She would yeah, need a minivan. Or do well, she she drives a minivan. But uh, to um, if both parents are working, uh, it has to be a very conscious effort to say, I'm gonna come back early today to bring my kids out to the playground. I mean, while you bring out the playground. Is a is a if you come down and bring the program, it's too it's dark already. In some sense, you don't get what Hafiz was saying about the sunlight thing, right? And then you get you get them all worked up. I mean, energy and energized are just before bed. Also, not good for sleeping, kind of thing. You know, so it's it has to be optimal time of five plus six. That's the best time when it's not too hot and and the sun is is good, kind of thing. Yeah, but that will mean an intentional decision on the parent to come to come home on time to bring the kids. Uh, down to the playground so the encouragement would then be to make at least make progressive like don't say oh every every day I want to do that but maybe once or twice a week and then the weekend make sure you do that so at least three times a week your kids get that and then progressively do that lah. yeah so start small but at least start somewhere and start once a week at least for for for, for a, a change like you know for yourself and for your kids as well okay let me tell you where this ten thousand steps came from how it originated you know, the step tracker was invented by a Japanese guy. And uh, so after he has created this product, he wanted to market it. And so he had to think of a name. How, how should I call this device? And so in Japanese, all right, he gave a Japanese name and the, in, in translated to English is 10,000 steps. So from <laughs> then on, it just got caught on, all right? And nobody really knew why. And everyone thought that, wow, 10,000 is a magic number. But Kevin, you're right. You know, um, if you can cover anything between yeah, six, six and a half thousand to about 8,000 or seven and a half thousand uh, every day, or at least quite consistently, that would be enough. 
Okay, so don't, <laughs> yeah, don't be a perfectionist and say, no, I only got 9,982. Okay. <laughs> In my case, do that, you know, before the before bed, I say, oh no, got 10 more. Then on the spot, they jump, 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 just to, just to get the 10,000. Okay, can I go No, just that. take off your watch and swing it. It counts. <laughs> That's not steps, Papsan. <laughs> and you, want, you want to teach your kids to do that too, do you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, mentioning about uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman again, the neuroscientist, actually he did uh, say, according to his research, uh, that humans uh, need to walk. This forward movement is very important for your eyes. In fact, when you walk, it will help you in thinking. So definitely for me, if uh, in morning walks, evening walks, whatever, and I even sometimes just walk, don't listen to podcasts, but it does, after, what does, what it does after is, a, is really magic. <laughs> Make you feel refreshed. Make you feel, of course, uh, more alert. And that, that's my own experience. And I thought uh, it, it's very refreshing for us to also uh, have that uh, practice and habit with our children. Just walk. We have people who drive, right? We tend to, you know, everything also want to be convenient. You know, but mm. for me, for example, I try to park, let's say, slightly far away. Uh, my habit actually is the, the, the opposite. You know, is to really park near to where I, I go, but it has to be intentional. Uh, and the least is I bring my folded bike, you know, put inside my car and then uh, park somewhere far, usually free. You know, there's the incentive, there's the reward so that you don't have to pay the parking and then cycle to where I want to go. Yeah. Walking also has other benefits. Like, you know, if you are wanting to be creative, walking is a very great way of inspiring you to new ideas. Okay. Uh, Hafiz, Remember the episode we did on rewilding? Yeah. Yeah, you know. So there's a movement now in America about rewilding. It means to connect again with nature. And so it, it suggests things like walking barefooted, all right, so that your feet actually touches the ground. And by ground, they're not talking about concrete ground or tarmac, but actual grass and soil and sand and gravel and things like that, you know. And, um, you know, Doctors have also said that, you know, because we walk a lot on, on uh, level surfaces, paved surfaces, our ankles are, and, and joints are not as strong as compared to those who walk on uneven ground because, you know, their ligaments have to be always working and strengthening itself. All right. Well, this is really uh, something that we can go off on a tangent on. <laughs> but yes, today we have talked about this hot uh, potato called Eat, Sleep and Move. And... Uh, if you have any ideas or any other suggestions for hot top potatoes, please contact us and let us know about it and we will see what we can do about it. Alright, so until the next time, bye-bye.